Troy, if you want to come up. We're excited that uh, Troy's here this morning. Troy is a sophomore majoring in biochemistry at Augustana. And uh, God's just been doing amazing uh, things in Troy's life for the last couple of years. And uh, we're just delighted that we've had a... a just been able to watch that and maybe have a small part in it. And uh, just as Troy continues to think about uh, how God might uh, use him in, in his life for the sake of his kingdom and for the sake of the gospel, uh, we're just grateful for the opportunity to give him to declare God's word to us this morning. So, Troy, thanks, and uh, go for it. All right, good morning. Uh, I'd like to start off with some prayer. Father, I uh, thank you for this text that uh, we're reading from Luke and Acts, that he would be inspired to write these things, that we could uh, see your truth, and I pray that you would reveal these these truths that you have in this text to us this morning and, and help us be attentive to what you want to teach us this morning. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Typically, when I come to Aberdeen, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, people I know here at, at Sovereign Grace and uh, sit under Sam's preaching, but inherently one of those isn't going to happen this morning. Uh, but in the other sense, I've been really looking forward to uh, bringing the message this morning. Uh, I, I've been studying this text, and it's been very good to me, so I, I, uh, and I hope that this would have truth to you as well. Um, I, I came to Sovereign Grace about three years ago for the first time, and uh, many of you have been part of my walk with Christ, and, um, and it's been very good. And Sam especially, uh, I got to go with him to Niger last summer. Uh, we were witness to Muslims, and uh, it was a very eye-opening experience and um, really opened my heart to what evangelism, evangelism is and missions and, and all that context. And, and it kind of actually ties to this morning. Um, and the story from Acts that I really enjoyed. We're going to pull out one specific theme, and that is a purpose for being a witness. And I want to clear something up on what I mean by that is there's a difference between being a witness and evangelizing. It's Sometimes it's the same, but not always. And Dr. R.C. Sproul explains it very well. He says, all ev evangelism is witnessing, but not all witnessing is evangelism. Now, what he means by that is you could share Christ with somebody, like like say Sam and I in Africa. We, we would declare the gospel to a group of people. That is evangelism and witnessing. Alternatively, uh, you could be a witness by forgiving someone or by being generous when you have very little, uh, by explaining the existence of uh, the existence of God to an atheist, or just also when we were in Africa, um, we we just go talk to these people and not necessarily get to the gospel, but just develop these relationships. And any of those things uh, are, are fruits of your faith, but they don't necessarily contain the gospel. So you can still be a witness without the gospel. That's why they're not necessarily interchangeable. And uh, this comes from Acts 16, verses 6 through 30. Uh, and this is Paul's ministry to Philippi. And as I read this story, I encourage you to listen intentionally for moments where Paul and Silas were witnesses, uh, evangelistically and witnessing, uh, and displaying Christ's reign over their lives, because we were focusing on what these moments resulted in. And I'm going to read the text now, uh, Acts 16, starting at verse 6, going through verse 31. 
As they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and when they had come up to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia in a Roman colony. We remained in the city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the, the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the woman who had got, come there. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you had judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay, and she prevailed upon us. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that the hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The, the crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore off their garments and gave orders to beat them with rods. When they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Then he brought them out and said, Oh, I'm sorry. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Now that we see our context, I want to go back and point out three specific points to draw out our theme, a purpose for being a witness. So first we go to Paul and Silas' call to Macedonia, where I charge you to be conscious of where God has placed you in your life. And that first part of the text we were reading, you might have noticed that they're really just seeking to go on their missionary journey. They're, they're just going from place to place, but they kept getting prevented by the Holy Spirit once and then uh, prevented by the Spirit of Jesus. And we don't really know what prevented them, if the, the road was closed or something, but they, for some reason, knew they weren't to go someplace, so they turned around and went to a different place. And finally, um, well, I'm sorry, uh, they're, they're backtracking. And to give you an example, that's like going from Aberdeen to Sioux Falls, but not knowing you're going to Sioux Falls and you go through Rapid 
and then Pierre, and then you get a call to go to Sioux Falls. So that's kind of what happened to them. And uh, then we see Paul had a vision. Uh, that was a man in Macedonia saying, come help us. And so we see the response in Acts 16.10. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So what are they being conscious of? They, they, they knew that their purpose was to preach the gospel despite all their backtracking. And um, so I, I, I call you to be considered that God has you right where he wants you. And so be conscious that it's not going to be a perfect situation, but they, they are seeking it um, when they get that opportunity. So, um, now, free, okay, I'm sorry. But God has you even today right where he needs you for his kingdom, uh, like I said. And so I encourage you to consider that, that daily calling to be an ambassador for Christ. So let's go back now and see what their consciousness resulted in, as well as their situations, which leads me to point number two, in any circumstance, be a witness. So we see, and I, I pull out two specific situations in Philippi. There's a smooth one, and there's a rough one. And let's look at the smooth one first. It's smooth. And that's with Lydia. And we read, I'm going to reread Acts 16, verses 14 and 15 of that account. Uh, verse 14. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. Now stop there. She's from Thyatira. Her name is Lydia. And that, if you look into that uh, history and that context, she's kind of from an Asian region. So she's a foreigner. And then she's a seller of purple goods, which was expensive stuff, uh, the, the purple dyes. So she, had, she was likely wealthy. So she's like a foreign, wealthy businesswoman. And she was a worshiper of God. And if you look in your Bible, if you're, if you're looking, um, it's a capital G, which in the Greek is Theos, which means God the Father. And what's what's significant about that is that she wasn't a Jew, likely, and she was, but she was neither Roman, uh, but she was seeking God the Father. She didn't know the Redeemer, but let's read on. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she was just saying, if you have judged us, Judge me faithful to the Lord. Come to my house and stay. She prevailed upon us. So let's consider their situation, the smooth situation. They're in a place of prayer, and they're out to evangelize. There's a wealthy businesswoman, a group of women, and uh, she was a worshiper of God. So kind of prime me exactly what you want if you're a missionary and you're seeking to evangelize. And we see that her eyes were opened by, by the Lord through Paul's preaching of the gospel. And uh, so they were witnessing in a really good situation, and it turned out to be good. She got saved. And that's, that's amazing. We could stop there and just talk about that, but we do uh, want to move on. And, and before we look at the rough one, the rough situation in Philippi, I want to consider Jesus' view on these situations in John 15, verses 18 through 19. Uh, you don't need to turn there. I'll read that. Uh, verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me, Jesus, before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now, according to Jesus' definition, 
Paul and Silas would not be of this world, but they've been chosen by Jesus, and therefore they should anticipate that the world might not like them and, and expect persecution. And, uh, and it also implies that their actions may not be of this world. And this difference, and we see with the, the servant girl who had a spirit of divination, she was fortune-telling, annoying Paul and Silas and, and his, their companions. He turns around and casts the demon out of her, and uh, that got him into trouble. And they were persecuted for just for uh, being carrying out their their missionary trip, and they got thrown in prison. And, and I'm going to refresh on Acts 16 verses 22 through 24. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them, and gave orders to beat them with rods. When they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. All right, now we're at the rough situation. They're in prison, they're naked, they're bloody, and they're beaten. And now they're not in the South Dakota State Pen. That would be like the days in compared to what they're in. They're in a first century Roman prison. And so picture a dark, wet, stinky, think of the people that are there. They're in a first century Roman prison, and they're naked, bloody, and beaten, and they're in stocks. And these aren't the stocks like early American history where you had the, their arms and their head through the wooden block. No, this, these ones are described as you're laying on the ground, and you put your feet in these wooden blocks, and then they spread them out to the point where you start cramping. So just to add that to our situation, rough situation, they're bloody, beaten, cramping, naked, hot, and who knows what else. So they have a choice here. They could either pout or they could glorify God. So they pouted. Just kidding. That's not, that's not what they did. They were praying and singing hymns. What was wrong with them? Well, I believe Paul and Silas would have known that this imprisonment was essentially promised by Jesus. That, that's what Jesus says in John 15, that to expect this persecution. And, uh, and Jesus was right, that they were acting otherworldly despite their circumstance. And, that, and that's, that's my point here, is, is any circumstance to be a witness. And that's what they were doing. They were being witnesses by praying and singing hymns in, their, in this situation. And, and so looking back at Lydia and, and that smooth example, and then in prison with the rough one, in both they were seeking to be wit- witnesses. With Lydia, they're already seeking God, waiting for a redeemer. So Paul comes in, saves the day, and says, uh, here's a redeemer, here's a salvation in Christ. It's good news, and she was saved. And in prison, um, and there's a little more to this situation uh, and how they're being witnesses that I want to get to. And I'm going to read uh, verse 25 again. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Their actions were totally contradicting their situation. They're, remember the situation we were talking about, and they're praying and singing hymns. What, what is going through their minds? And no wonder the prisoners were listening. I'm, I'm glad Luke adds that, because... Uh, the prisoners must be wondering what's going through their heads. And uh, going deeper into this, I see I've found two direct purposes for what Paul and Silas were getting at while in prison. The first one was these prisoners. 
Uh, they were called to preach the gospel in Macedonia. They were being conscious of their calling. Remember our first point. And so they were, they're seeking these lost people who didn't know a salvation likely. They're in a Roman colony. They weren't, they weren't Jews. They weren't Christians. And also, so the prisoners was a direct purpose. And then they also, uh, were just seeking God. Uh, they're, they're displaying the reign Christ has over their lives despite their situation, despite their circumstance. And this situation was not going to disrupt their conscious purpose, like I said. And now I want to get at two indirect purposes, non-anticipated purposes for being a witness here. The first one with the jailer, and, and we continue in verse 27 and 28. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But God, I'm sorry, Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Now, we've considered the situation of Paul and Silas, but now let's look at the jailer. In his mind, after this uh, earthquake uh, that released their, their, the jail cell doors and, and their stocks, any reasonable person would have taken the opportunity to get the heck out of there. Don't count yourself out. And Luke doesn't really record why they stayed, but they did. And, and we can kind of dig in to understand why he stayed. And Paul and Silas. And, um, and then considering the jailer, we would expect him to think this. It's not surprising that he would say, oh, they're probably gone. Um, I've broken Roman law. I'm going to lose my job. I, I might even get killed for this. So he's suicidal. He's hopeless. And, um, he, and we would expect this because the world, and the jailer would be part of the world here, would expect someone to be happy ba based on their circumstances. And so normal people would leave, and that's what he would expect. But Paul and Silas, according to Jesus, are not of this world. Their happiness is based on the eternal truth, not circumstances. So that's what's significant here about Paul and Silas and their actions. So we have this jailer. He's hopeless, suicidal, and the voice of Paul calling out of the darkness, telling him that they're still there, gives him something that he didn't have before. What is it? It's hope. He was hopeless, and now he has hope. And that hope was in was set in obtaining whatever it was that Paul and Silas had. I don't think he had talked to Paul and Silas. He was just in the prison. But now he wanted what they had. And so the jailer goes from hopeless to hopeful, and this is why it is so important to be a witness. I'm going to continue in verse 29 through 31. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Now remember, at the beginning of this message, we, we considered the difference between evangelism and witnessing. That some say, Oh, I do my evangelism by, uh, by example. Okay, so, but, but someone could live their whole lives watching you uh, be a Christian, bearing fruit, but not have any under, understanding of what the gospel is. They, they wouldn't know the life, death, and resurrection of Christ and the atonement we have by this faith. And Paul knows that, that, that the jailer doesn't know this yet, but he knows that they have something different. So we see Paul's response to the jailer after the jailer says, What do I do? 
he, wa- he wants what they have, and, and Paul doesn't give him some dry answer. He doesn't say, oh, just be optimistic like us and try and get through the rough situations with a smile. Paul tells him the only life-giving answer available is to be saved by the blood of Christ. He said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That's the only thing that brings hope here. And uh, we see this jailer, he's at the end of himself, and he only saw the fruit of guys just being Christians. And again, I want to point out, this wasn't something they were planning. They weren't planning an earthquake, and I'd be impressed if they were, but I don't think Paul and Silas were expecting an earthquake and um, this jailer's conversion. All they were doing was worshiping in even the worst of situations, and the result of this was this man being saved. And I also want to consider this, what they didn't do. Paul and Silas weren't laying in there complaining and crying and, and scheming how they're going to escape from prison. And then they finally get this opportunity to leave and they are sprinting out of the prison and uh, over their shoulders say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. No, that, that, that wouldn't make sense. Why would the jailer listen to that? He's, he's being, they're being all depressed and, and down on their situation. And why would the jailer want to listen to them if they weren't being witnesses? And for you, if you go off sinning deliberately in your life, or if I were to do that, why would anyone listen to you when you tell them that they need a Savior in Jesus? How can I, living in my sin, tell someone else that they uh, need a Savior? I think I need to talk to myself a little more. And that's why it's so important to bear fruit, and in, in this case, good fruit especially. And uh, I also want to point out now, uh, some non-anticipated things other than this that, that Paul and Silas weren't expecting, actually after their life. And this is that Luke would write these things down and thousands upon thousands would get saved. We're here, we're here looking at this text this morning because Luke recorded these things. And now I don't think Paul and Silas had that in mind, but they knew that they were on mission for the gospel. And uh, we also see that since this church in Philippi gets planted, uh, Philippi is this, the kind of the first church that Paul plants that's in European soil, and, and we know that this would lead to the fanning of the church to Europe, and to America, to Africa, to um, Asia, wherever. And, and so that's another non-anticipated result of them just being witnesses. And, and they wouldn't have seen this in prison. Now, that kind of transitioned well into... Uh, what a witness being a witness leads to, and which is my third point, and that is to be a witness to magnify the Lord. And I want to make a connection because when I was studying this, it just made me think of uh, Bruce Olson. Uh, he's a missionary. Uh, he actually still is in South America, and he wrote a autobiography titled Bruchko. You might have read it. And he got saved when he was about 19 years old, and he had this burden for these people in South America in a specific tribe of Indians called the Madelones. And through an uh, extensive journey to get there, um, he finally gets down there and he's, he's learning the language and he wants to reach them with some tropical medicine. And uh, finally these other Indians that are down there agree to take him to the Madelones, which is his goal. 
And he, by this time, he's, I mean, he's from the mid, I think he's from Minnesota. And so he goes down to the tropics. He's sick. I, I'm not sure what diseases he had, but it says he's passing blood, diarrhea, vomiting, feverish. And so that's the situation he's in. And he's in the tropics and he wants to go witness to these unreached hostile Indians that had been at war with uh, some white people who were trying to get oil from their land. And so eventually these Indians get him there and the, the I think they're the Incas that he was with and then they start running away down the opposite way of the trail and Bruce is standing there and he doesn't know what to do. So he turns around and starts running uh, away and then he feels some pain in the back of his thigh as an arrow. He falls over and he's surrounded by these Malone Indians who have their arrows drawn, like eight of them surrounding him, and he's in this sickness, and I want to know what's going through their minds. If they're used to, they don't see a lot of uh, Americans, but if they're used to um, being aggressive and taking their land, and then here's this other one who comes a different route, and in, in a peaceful route, what, what does he want? It, obviously, they don't know that he's a Christian, because they've never heard of Christ, but they know there's something different. And that was enough for them to bring him into their village. Now, it just took years, but he finally learned their language. It was a tonal language. And eventually he was able to uh, communicate the gospel to them. And a lot of them were saved. And, and now there's a church down there today, and I think Bruce is still living down there, of these Malone Indians that were reached by Bruce. And, and, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, they were saved. Now, there's a non-anticipated result here I want to point out that I don't think Bruce was planning. After this, I think he published this book and word got out what he's doing. This has happened with other missionaries too. But missions exploded. Even more people wanted to go reach the unreached. They said, oh man, if this 19-year-old kid from Minnesota can go reach the hostile South American Indians, I can go too. And even more got saved. And, and there's people out there today that likely are out there because of Bruce's testimony. And I don't think Bruce planned that. So we go back to Philippi, and considering that, uh, through the prosperity with Lydia, through the hardship in prison, and through the extensive journey to get there, this would have been very con confusing to them, but a church was planted. And this church consisted foundationally with a foreign businesswoman, Lydia, a previously demon-possessed servant girl, and a Roman jailer who is likely a, a ex-Roman soldier. So he's probably a hard, hard guy. But them and their families were the kind of what we're told is the beginnings of this church in Philippi. Racially, socially, and psychologically, socioeconomically different. But isn't this how God's been ch uh, building his church? Uh, taking the least likely and saving them and building his church with them. And, and we see this all throughout Acts. This isn't a surprise. And then, and then throughout hi history, we see this as well. Think of your own testimony. Was it possibly someone else in your life that was being a witness and, and not even directly uh, pointed towards you, but is living out their Christian life? And maybe, maybe you were already a Christian, but there's just something different that, that they had that, you wanted to know more about. And that maybe that was a spark that helped you grow in your relationship with Christ. I know of my own testimony. There's an individual in my life that um, 
he was there at the right time. I was going through some trials uh, about three years ago, and I, I was really thinking about my relationship with God. And he, he happened to ask this question during that time when I was going through these trials, and he said, Troy, if there's ever anything you need, just let me know. And uh, I said, yeah, I have a question. T- tell me what's, what's going on in my life. And, and I explained to him uh, what, was, what was going on, and I heard the gospel for the first time that, and actually understood it. And, and this is all through. I don't think he was intending on me having that question that day. And it was just how I'd known him throughout my life and how he had con- uh, carried himself out. And I knew he was a Christian. I didn't really know what he was going to tell me. But it led to uh, me hearing the gospel. And consider this. This is all that we've been talking about. This only happens with the gospel. Do we see something like this? A, a man at the end of himself, the jailer, uh, uh, Lydia in a perfect situation, an unassuming city of Philippi, an unused tribe in South America, uh, a, a lot of us in this congregation, all, rec- all receive hope upon knowledge of a Savior. That's the gospel. That's the power of the gospel. So, be a witness in any circumstance and don't wait for that perfect witnessing situation. Because you are exactly where God wants you to be a witness right now. And this is because it's not dependent on your circumstance. It's dependent on your eternal position. It has to do with what Christ has done in your life. And that's what makes the difference. And we do this, be a witness and evangelize and, and share good news because we want others to know this good news of the salvation that Christ has achieved for, achieved for us. And his sacrificial death and resurrection and, and where he pays our debt from breaking God's law. And God can legally declare us righteous in his son's life because Jesus' righteousness clothes us upon death and we can be in the presence of God for an eternity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text that you would teach these things to us and reveal them to us that we might be ambassadors for for your kingdom. Pray that you would open hearts to those who are around us in our lives and, and help us to reach them and be bold and and, and help us have confidence that, that the Holy Spirit is is working through us and we are not alone in these situations. Pray that you would bring us to give glory to you in our lives and in these witnessing that we don't want people to look at us, but we are a lens for people to see God in our lives and, and what he's done to us. I thank you for the cross that, that we might have this relationship with you through Jesus and, and knowledge of his testimony. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.